Quantum Kickflip is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Previously on Quantum Kickflip. If you wish to deliver a message to Helix, I could deliver it on your behalf. If we meet again, call me Sequence. Best of luck, gamers! The first one to the top of the clock tower wins, and whoever wins the race will get the coveted Data Surge Daibo Vice, which has everything you need to take your Daibokin experience to the next level. Thanks to Trev 4's expert calculations, uh, no one notices Scampykin as he slips on in and uh, drops off this letter. All of you have this crushing moment of hearing a <laughs> as a snot-nosed kid with a backwards ball cap zips past you. Maeve was about to put her fists down, uh, but keeps them in the air shaking and cries out, Bradley! <laughs> <laughs> Walton and Trevfor, you find yourselves at the Arborist Temple in Lansdale. We can help these people from Kindred find the one that they're looking for. Look, Lena. Yeah, what's up? This is like clearly and obviously a trap. So I'm wondering. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, uh, just, I don't know. You think we don't know what you're doing here? You're here to mess everything up, just like Kindred always does. Trev, I think I'm starting to pick up on what you were talking about. <laughs> And welcome back to Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster actual play podcast. My name is Lena, I am your host and your Slugmaster, and with me are five of my best and funniest friends in the whole world. They're going to introduce themselves to you now, and with your introduction, I want you to tell me about how competitive your character gets. Do they get competitive? If so, how much? Hi, my name is Glenna. I play Brinley Zerk. She is the Guts playbook. She has the Gravity Blaster as her signature device. And oh boy, is she competitive. <laughs> you wouldn't think so because she seems quite chill, but she is not the chill playbook. She's the Guts playbook. She likes to win. <laughs> Hi, I'm Michael Vetch, and I am playing the chill playbook in Walton Wick uh, with the Robot Companion. And uh, as described, he's very chill, so I think he is that sort of opposite end where... Uh, competitiveness is, isn't really in his blood. Like, he can be pretty good at things and do well in competition, but he's never out to win. Hello, I'm Liam. I play Helix Pinnacle. He is the smarts playbook with the hard light board. Uh, and I, I think he, he is competitive solely uh, from a, a data collection perspective. Um, it's not so much that he wants to beat people, win. He's not looking for victory. Um, but I think he does like to test himself against mm. different metrics um, and sort of use uh, people beating him or him beating people to what degree he can beat other people or other things, uh, all as a bunch of benchmarks uh, in his quest for self-improvement. Hi, my name is Robin. I'm playing Maybelline Zandros, the Grit playbook with the photonic jacket. Um, and I think she is very good at presenting herself as not being very competitive. She she keeps a cool head a lot of the time. She's often willing to, you know, uh, take the hit for someone else or take the dive if it means that her team comes out on top. Very good at playing the long game and not getting too caught up in ego. Um, but I think she also, 
is fiercely competitive underneath all of that. Like she puts up a great mm. facade, but if if her crew actually loses, it will eat at her for the rest of her life. Like she's she's <laughs> one of those people who can't get to sleep at night and just thinks back on all the times that she didn't say the right thing or that didn't do the right thing or just didn't quite. Uh, things could have gone better, but if only she'd just done something a little differently. Um, and that's how the competition, no one would ever know it, but she knows. Oh, no. <laughs> Hi, uh, my name is David Ray, and I play Trev Four, uh, who is the heart book. And um, Trevor is is not uh, competitive whatsoever. Like, that, that wouldn't enter into his programming. He's purely there to... Um, get people to be as productive as possible and pushing that in people. But he, it's not like he's even uh, trying to beat uh, his own metric. It's more like, I'm just going to keep getting as much out of these people as possible. Like that's his, always his goal. So nice. Uh, and as I said, uh, my name is Lena. I am uh, your host and I just want everyone to have a nice time. Please everyone have a nice time. Um, you're all gonna have the best time, or I will cry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of having the best time, uh, y'all have been having a time trying to find each other. Uh, Waltz and Trev, for you have been through Web Tower and Lansdowne Tower, trying to deliver messages to Helix, Brinley, and Maeve. You're currently in the Arborist Temple, and you're just a wee little bit over your heads, uh, with a couple of Arborists who seem uh, quite affronted by your presence. Meanwhile, Helix, Brinley, and Maeveline, you've been in the middle of a Daibokin dash, hoping to find Walton, uh, and you are in the final leg of this race, so let's see if your competitiveness uh, comes out uh, in your favor. Let's play some Slug Blaster. Yeah. All right. Helix, Maeve, Brindley. You approach the light at the base of this mountain range in this VR forest. And the moment this unnatural yellow light washes over you, the scene again abruptly changes. Uh, the humidity is gone. You still tr see the trees, but there's no mountains. And the trees are just like behind you, even though moments ago they were fully surrounding you. Um, you are back fully in Kindred Tower once more. I mean, you always have been, but now it looks like you're, you know, in the middle of a giant corporate mega tower. Um, and all around you, instead of mountains, you're surrounded by triangular structures, which is oddly reminiscent of the time that you were in Trinity Park and you saw the three towers looming up all around you. And it strikes you as a little bit weird that they would have basically a replica of the three towers here in Kindred. Um, that's just sort of the first sort of impression that you get. And you realize as you're looking at it, each tower is like covered in levers and gears and cogs and these are actually giant mechanical structures uh and these these gears and cogs and levers and bits and bobs are like constantly moving around these three structures each face of the structure uh has a giant uh, uh circular clock up high upon it it's it's a little too high for you to see the time 
You also notice that they're all lit in interesting and intricate ways. No two tower has the same floor lit up at the same time. And it sort of varies from like a bright white sort of light, more sort of warm uh, yellow, orange, pink sort of tones and blue light. Um, and at the very, very top, you see a big circular banner circling these three towers like a halo. And even from down at the very base, directly underneath, uh, you can see that it says, Daibokin Dash, finish line. Ooh. You gotta climb a clock tower. What do you do? I suppose that makes sense. If the route sent us down, it will send us back up. Is, is this? I know neither of you are from Kindred, but I feel like this is some kind of like public art installation i don't know we don't really have anything like that in lansden i i just ever since we've stepped into this tower it's felt wrong somehow you know like this isn't the operablum that i know but i mean i guess i only know a third of of operablum i bet i could latch onto a lever and go real high (laughs) (laughs) i suppose you could Uh, in fact uh this Looks like uh, we're, we're all climbing one way or another, though. Looks like we're also quite far at the back of this race. I, I don't think we're winning that upgrade kit. As you're saying this, um, uh, more and more people are, like, zipping past you and getting ahead of you in the race. Uh, you see Brabley uh, uh, sort of hop up, and he, like, kind of hops up on one platform and then, like, skates around the face of the tower and then hops onto another. And is kind of, like, basically platform jumping from one tower to the next and slowly making his way higher and higher. Uh, others seem to have similar sort of, like, grappling hook abilities, and they, like, sort of latch onto leverage and go up some of them even appear to be able to like go vertically up the wall of the tower though only for a short period of time before they need to find rest on a turning gear spinning thingy <laughs> lever spinning the spinning thingy works spinning thingy well we may not win the grand prize of this race but we can still see who's the fastest amongst each other uh, and he kicks off uh and begins skating towards uh, one of the clock towers. Uh, Maeve goes to call out, and I think Helix is already gone. Which is like, no, Helix, wait, ah, dang it. I was about to give a whole speech about how, you know, maybe maybe the answer is working together, and, and you know, if, if we <laughs> all, all put our heads together, one of us can still shoot ahead. He's always doing that. Um, <laughs> listen, Bryn, you got a better shot at this than I do. How about I, uh, how about I lend you a hand and see if you can get one over on Helix at the very least, if not win the whole thing. Awesome. Totally <laughs> rich. I love this. Oh, if only you had a heart in your team to convince you to work together. <laughs> um, I, I, I love the idea of uh, Maeve assisting uh, Brinley, uh, and I love the idea of the three of you competing against each other. Um, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set up two progress tracks. Each one is going to say winning. And between Helix and Brinley, whoever gets further on the progress track gets ahead in the race. If you get three or more on the track, we're going to do one, maybe two rolls each uh, tops. uh, But uh, whoever gets most wins of the two of you. And if you get at least three on the track win, then you will also place first. 
Sweet. Ooh. So you don't have to clear the entire track. It's just a matter of who clears more. Oh, cool. Let's do it. <laughs> well, I'm going to go first because I already did, did the did the misdirection kickoff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he sees all of these uh, various shapes uh, and, and, you know, TARDIS-esque bric-a-brac to be pulled or twisted or bop it, pull it, past it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he's going to pick up his board. So one end uh, uh, is in his left hand. One end is in his right hand. Um, engage elastic to tensile rope spectrum. Uh, and the board stops <laughs> being a uh, sort of hard light hoverboard and instead mm-hmm. becomes a slightly more nebulous like hard light rope between his left and his right hand. Uh, this is the energy lattice again. Um, but mm-hmm. I think what he's going to his goal is to sort of like throw it up like a skipping rope uh, and then using both his like core strength muscles and some uh, increasing the rigidity of the hard light, use it to pull himself up like he's doing a series of chin-ups, like he's going, like, throwing a lasso up and then doing a chin-up and then throwing a lasso up and then doing a chin-up. So he's got, like, a bit of a, like, a, he can kind of throw it up like a jump rope and then make it more rigid to pull himself up with. Okay, amazing. Let's get that roll. Um, a success on its own will mark one track. Uh, the more kick you add, the more spots you will mark. I'm going to add my last kick to be added because I'm a level one boy. <laughs> uh, from your hard light board? Because you have attitude. Yeah, I'm trying to describe how my smarts would help this action. Um, this is all uh, beefcake muscle time. So uh. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but you have to use the biggest muscle, your brain, to know the timing between <laughs> slacking and, and tensing the, the, the rope. <laughs> Can't hear you over my rippling muscles. I'm really Oh, hell yeah. I love that. <laughs> Liam, you can also get a bonus kick if you do a dare and uh, either mark one trouble, uh, let the GM uh, gain one bite, or let the GM introduce an extra problem. I will absolutely add a dare. I got my own helpful uh, sycophant backing me up. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Three and also three. Two threes. Two threes. Oof. Okay. This is an impressive show of um, strength um, and and use of momentum. Uh, I think you even maybe start to settle into the rhythm of, of you know, the, the cogs moving in such a way, you know, as a gear, the tooth of a gear is moving up, you latch on and it gives you that much more momentum going up kind of thing. And I think you launch yourself up towards a lever at the same time that another racer has grappling hooked to that lever, and the two of you crash into each other and fall down the tower a little ways. Um, and you are going to take a slam. Uh, the slam is clobbered. Uh, uh, hey, look, look, look how you dull-headed watch Torokin, Torokin, it's a big bull. It's a little bull. It's like a bull the size of a cat. Uh, as he's falling, oh. as Helix is falling, he's gonna try to engage Jellican, see if it's like helps him stick or anything. But I think it just means that when he lands, he somehow still manages to land in a puddle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you land in just like the stinkiest, slimiest ooze. In like the well of a cog, marking no spots on your winning track. And uh, filling your final slam box, if you take another slam, disaster is going to strike. Womp womp. 
Brinley and Maeve, can y'all win this? I've got an offer to get you started, and then it's all you if that works, Bryn. Sure. I have so much, I have so many resources because I've been (laughs) not using them. So let's go. There you go. Um, I think uh, last time I tried to just use, uh, maybe tried to just use her grit and her uh, her resilience and her her natural talent and skill, her hard-earned practice, uh, and that completely bit her in the ass. So uh, this time she's going to use her fun toy uh, and engage the (laughs) hard light upscaling on her photonic jacket. Um, roll to temporarily augment your jacket with useful hard light ornaments such as glowing tentacles, giant polygonal fists, or briefly serviceable wings. Um, what I want, you can tell me if this is reasonable and on the level of, you know, tentacles or briefly serviceable wings. Uh, I want to motion to Bryn, uh, and say hop on and kind of like hold my arms out, uh, for like a piggyback. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And she's got the, like the, the split forearms. So I think she's like. Uh, she's built well for piggyback rides. <laughs> like she's got a lot of appendages <laughs> to sort of grab onto. Um, d- does Bryn go for it? <laughs> yeah, totally. Sweet. And then she's going to kick off on her hoverboard, uh, see if she can ramp off of one of the lower parts of the one of these towers, uh, a giant cog that's turning or a lever, just as it like angles the right way. But something to get a little bit of air. Uh, and then she wants to engage this hard light upscaling and essentially form a big hard light spring um, <laughs> to just do one big bounce uh, and get as much air as possible. And then she's going to just let go and let Brinley go from there. Uh, and basically my my offer here is that I'm, I, I will give you any resources you want from my jacket, an extra D6, an extra kick for the maneuver you're pulling off. And this is the way that I'm doing that is by launching you with my hard light spring. Incredible. I love that. <laughs> All right. Uh, I will take a D6, please. I got two kick on there if you want them too, because because you got to mark that track, baby. Oh, I'm I'm good for, <laughs> I'm good for <laughs> kick. kick. She's the kick. guts. Yeah. She's got it. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to use my impulse rig to use my beam like a grappling hook. Uh, and also, uh, I think, now we haven't discussed this ahead of time, but and tell me if this isn't if this isn't cool. But I mm-hmm. think she has, um, this is very silly. Uh, I think her board and the back of her shirt have a magnet so she can just like, boop, like put her board on her back. Oh, okay. And she starts free running up this thing. <gasps> yes. Oh, yes. And Amazing. using her beam like a grappling hook. Uh, yes. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the extra D6 from uh Maeve. I'm gonna take mm-hmm. the extra D6 from my attitude and three kick from my attitude. Woo! Alright. Do you wanna throw a dare on there? Oh, here's the thing. I'm gonna add a fourth kick from my gauntlet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fourth oh, kick. Oh, oh, oh. oh, baby. And uh, and, a, and an extra D6 from my gauntlet as well. Okay, so you're piling with, up those resources. Let's go. I'm rolling with 46, baby. And four kick. Okay. All right, come on. This has got to get not a failure. <laughs> <laughs> that is a six. Let's go. Hey! You start free running vertically. You are launched by uh, Maze. Uh, uh, 
hard light photonic spring and at incredible speeds you start free running. People are gawking at you as you're like racing past them. Uh, describe some cool stuff that Brinley does. Brinley is using the, the gauntlet to, to pull herself up. Uh, and she's doing uh, like front flips over levers. There's like a there's like a lever coming around in like a circle mm-hmm. over a platform, and she like does a front fl- a standing front flip over the lever. Uh, there's a flagpole looking thing, and she does like that human flagpole thing just because she can, uh, where <laughs> where you use your core muscles to like climb air. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. She does one of those, uh, and she just like keeps on jumping and running and using her grappling hook or her her gravity blaster like a grappling hook yeah uh and and the whole time she still has this stupid little hard light drawing on her shoulder that she did yes! <laughs> hard light for Abilene. yeah uh and and you are flying up this clock terror and you are in your element uh it is not at all unlike you know, the the pillars and platforms that make up Lansden. Uh, It might as well be Lansden for how well you know this tower now. And as you shoot up and that holographic halo draws closer and closer, you see in first place, scampering up the tower, Bradley with Adderkin. (laughs) And your eyes meet and he looks at you and he looks at the holographic Bradley on your shoulder and his eyes go wide and you shoot past him, flying into the air, and land at the center of one of the towers. And all around you, everywhere, erupts into cheers, both live and through speakers that you just realized have been playing uh, crowd reactions this whole time. As you emerge, the first place victor of the Daibokin Dash. Damn. Bryn, I, I want you to take a style. Please take a style. Yay! Thank you. <laughs> ha! Way to go, little Bradley. Not you, the dude on my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was so close. Better look next time, Bradley. <laughs> and uh, this like platform sort of like hovers up, uh, and uh, you see like a, a small group of people. Uh, one of whom is the uh, gamer robot at the arcade. Uh, and the, the gamer robot says, Congratulations! You are the winner of the Daibokin Dash! Here is your prize, the Data Surge Daibovice! And uh, one of the operators uh, very, like, reverently um, picks up this gadget and holds it out to you. Now, it's sort of, like, cube-shaped and has little, like, bits sticking out of it. It clearly looks like uh, maybe something that you could, like, plug into your board or something. Uh, but also, uh, Brinley, I think you are tapped in well enough to Slug Blaster Culture to know that while this is clearly built for an intended purpose, you could super easily dismantle it and get uh, some components that you can use for your own device. Uh, I mean, if you had to like eyeball it on the spot, you'd say maybe, I don't know, three discs and three lenses? Ooh. 
Uh, and uh, slowly uh, uh, filing in more and more uh, uh, Daibokin dashers uh, make their way uh, and like clear the finish line and get to the tower and all sort of do their own little like, oh man, or just like kind of smiling sportsman-like where they're like, I lost, but I'm gonna be cool about this uh, kind of <laughs> deal. Um, Helix and Maeve, do you uh, make your way to the top or do you just like vibe at the bottom and wait for Brinley to rejoin you? I think Maeve vibes at the bottom. She she uh, did what she came to do. Uh, in her mind, a win for their team is a win for all of them. So, uh, mm-hmm. and she does not care about this race beyond that. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, as soon as it, yeah, as that maneuver was done, uh, I think she just like fell back down to earth um, and then probably just laid there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like maybe looking up at this absurd structure inside an absurd structure. Yeah. Uh, Helix then uh, di- also didn't much care about the actual outcome of this race, just seemed like a good excuse to do some slug blasting adjacent hoverboarding. Um, but mm-hmm. once the challenge was laid uh, with, with Brindley, um, it's on. And so I think uh, long in the bottom half of the of the finishers, crawling like just with his hands... <laughs> um, his his you know he's all they're all maybe like they're all greasy like he got caught in a cog at some point his, his perfectly <laughs> parted down the hair to parted down the middle hair is no longer perfect or parted or down the middle um yeah. <laughs> his board i've got the slam uh you know that my board's broken so it's like it's flickering and sparking um and he just catches up to brinley and he's like well, you really used all the resources at your disposal, your parkour skills, your gravity blaster, Maeve. Um, g- good job. Well, well earned. Thanks, man. I always appreciate having help from my friends. Yeah. Mm. You hear from way like hundreds of or however many floors down, uh, the, the voice in the distance is just, Hey, Helix, we won. and Bryn gives you just like a really enthusiastic fist bump because she's too happy to figure it out (laughs) is Bryn maybe just a little happy that she won against Helix oh yeah especially after he won the the quantum conqueror thing Mm, mm mm-hmm and it looked like he was gonna have it in the first leg of the race like he was doing really well yeah so this is a Another little victory for for Brinley in that way. Yeah, he's he's definitely coming down from the adrenaline, and, and come downs never look good. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and as you all come down from the clock tower to rejoin Maeve, uh, we are going to go back and uh, check in on Walton Trefor, who seemed to be in a little bit of trouble. So uh, the two of you are in the back hallway of the Aesirium Temple, uh, surrounded by these three arborists uh, who are, are just doing the classic sort of intimidating stances kind of thing, uh, maybe even actually like got their fists out, looking unhappy. Uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, Zaslo, uh, the one operablin who seems to be sort of like taking point of this particular trio, uh, is like, you thought you could just come into here, into the Arborist Temple, like you own the place, like you think you own every place? I mean, it's it's pretty well advertised on the networks that it's supposed to be open and welcoming, so we I just figured that was kind of the whole deal here. Uh, yeah, well, maybe Forrester Tournament feels that way, 
But that's not true for everyone because we're trying to actually save Operablin and, and you guys are just all trying to leave. And this is the second uh, Operablin uh, standing next to Zaslo. And he's like, oh yeah, you said it, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> I must request that you not approach any closer. We mean you no harm, but we will defend ourselves. Yeah, we're, we're just looking for someone. We're, we're really not trying to get into anything here. Oh, you mean Maeve? Yeah, that's not very surprising. Yeah, of course she would run with a bad crowd. What are you going to do, huh? What happens if we get a little closer? And uh, Zaslo and Jexica uh, sort of advance uh, while the Thenisparsian behind you is just sort of like standing intimidatingly and not letting you get past. Uh, I, I don't know if you really want to get any closer to, to Trevor here. He's, he's a bit, uh... uh... Well, we're doing it. Oh, oh, you're doing it? You're doing it? We're getting closer. Oh, Trev, they're doing it. Check this out. Here's another step closer. Trev, they're doing it. They're getting closer. Michael, (laughs) I'll let you know that regardless of what you answer next, I have a plan. Okay? (laughs) Walton, am I allowed to engage my taser bolts? Uh, Permission granted. Permission granted. (laughs) Excellent. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to pull a kick from my attitude, a kick from my hyper optic visor, and I'm going to also uh, do a dare to get an extra kick from that uh, uh-huh. uh, so that I can do all three of these uh, uh, goofuses. And... Um, <laughs> And I'm, uh, I'm going to use a die from my attitude. I would also like to borrow one from the hype, uh, from the, the crew as well, if that's possible. Sure, yeah. Sure. Uh, so using that last hype die. And uh, so what I'm planning to do is just like quickly fire three of these off. Just like bam, bam, bam. And like in such a way, because the cameras are all like, Moving, uh, the face is still, but behind that dark glass, there's cameras that cover all three, uh, 360 degree angles. Right, you actually like, don't need to turn your head to look. You probably do that for like the empathy side of it. You make eye contact. Yes. But technically, you're making eye contact all the time. That's correct. <laughs> and, and it's it's calculating. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as it fires out, it, 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 uh, it's almost like, my torso is rotating. My head and my legs stay still, and the uh, as it wheels yes. around, like, uh, and sending these three out. Okay, here we go. Here we go. And I'm doing a dare. Okay, a dare. Or they the uh, or, or the a trick. The trick. That's the one. I want the the I'll style. I'll allow it. <laughs> okay. I roll a five. <laughs> a five. That is a success. Mm-hmm. Mark your style yeah. and describe this. And so uh, it's, as I said, just voop, 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 uh, and it hits into the three of them. You know, I like I'll also kind of stand inside and get ready in case they do anything else. Um, but I, I think that's the, the that's the bulk of it, I, I suppose. Okay. Um, you are successful. You put a lot of kick on that roll. You, uh, sorry, did you describe the trick and did I miss it? The trick is just the fact that I'm doing all three, just like... <laughs> it's just fast and cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, mark your style. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you get all three of them. They all get jolted. 
Um, uh, the Thenis Spartium behind you, like, glitches out again and then seems to be moving faster and then is moving at normal speed as you sort of short-circuit both them and their shoes. Uh, uh, Zazlo in front of you, uh, Wolt, I think you have to sort of, like, dodge backward quickly as a, as a, a big hard light board suddenly just, like, springs from his wrist, clocks him in the face, and then zips back into the wristband, and he just falls over bloody nose, just <laughs> out cold. Um, but it's what Jexica does that you do not expect. Uh, you, like, zap, and she grabs something, and then, uh, the, the jolting suddenly, like, unsheaths like a lightsaber, this mega-friction blade that embeds itself into your torso and slices across the side of it. So you're going to take a uh, sliced slam, Trev 4, from Jexica's mega-friction sword. Actually, if I may... Oh, uh, yes. I want want to take a moment here to uh, invoke Button Masher, wherein I can mark one trouble to use a locked mod on my signature device for the length of one action. And okay. the, the mod that I want to engage with Scampigan here is Guardian Mode. Mark one turbo to have your robot protect you or a nearby teammate from a physical slam. Okay, so you are marking a trouble to evoke Guardian Mode. And then from there, marking a turbo to protect Trev 4. Yes. Okay. Uh, that works for me. It doesn't sound like there's a role necessary for that, so... Uh, nope, so I can't pull a trick on it. Oops. <laughs> Oops, no style for you, but also uh, no big gaping gash for Trev4. Would you like to please describe how Scampykin uh, protects Trev4 at the last moment? Yeah, I think it's in that sort of jump back that you mentioned Walt doing, uh, he had managed to turn and that's when he kind of sees Jexico pulling this Mega Friction Blade. Mm -hmm. uh, And he's able to uh, summon up Scampykin from his Daibo Vice. Uh, And yeah, I think Walt shouts out, Scampikin, guard! Stump! Scrump! And with that, he, uh, <laughs> uh, much in the way where before he was shooting jets of foam, he blows a one really big bubble that sort of forms around the outside of Trev as like a shield. And then as the blade comes in, uh, it hits the edge of it. it. The bubble pops, but when it pops, it uh, gives enough force that repulses the blade backward. Uh, as maybe it like slashes into the wall rather than coming through uh, Trev's torso there. I like that. That's fantastic. And uh, uh, Jessica is still being sort of like shocked through all of this. So she like maybe it even comes out of her hand as she slumps to the ground. Uh, the three of them are on the ground. Uh, you two are safe. <laughs> and the three of you chumps are saying that we're bad company? Zazlo does not respond because Zazlo is uh, uh, nearly unconscious. Just... <laughs> Just out. Just bleeding <laughs> out the nose. He needs to Ugh. go night-night. <laughs> oh. They cannot respond because they are unconscious. That does make sense. Yeah. Now that I, now that I see that. Uh, Would you like to leave them a note? <laughs> uh, no, Trev, I, I th- we, we've, uh, we've got another note. We have to figure out where to get this to Maeve. Ah, yes. Well, we should probably do it quickly. Because if they discover these three here... We may be in a lot of trouble. At that moment, uh, Walt, before you leave, you feel a hand on your ankle. <sighs> and you turn to see the Thenisparsian, who isn't fully out. Uh, they, they are slumped on the floor. Uh, and they look up at you. And they, they have this, like, sort of steely look in their eyes. Like, it's very cold. Uh, but they don't look particularly, like... 
yeah, it's just like a very cold sort of look. And they look at you and they say, if Operablum gets pruned, it won't be our fault. <sighs> and then their hand drops and they rest their head on the floor and they also go night-night. <laughs> I know the forester said a lot of different stuff on the tour, but uh, do, do you know what pruning means, Trev? Well, if I know anything about the idea of pruning, it's when you go to a barber and they reduce the amount of hair on your head. So likely, as long as there's not some sort of barber that tries to cut Opera Ablum off, then we should be fine. Does this make you feel better? Uh, sure, Trev. Sure, yeah. Uh, feeling great, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. This pleases me. And uh, Trev takes, uh, raises up his right thumb and uh, sticks a little uh, sticker onto his own forearm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, very good. (laughs) Out of curiosity, if his right thumb has gold stars, does his left thumb have like frowny faces or something? (laughs) You'll have to find out one day. Oh, uh, you never see the frowny face sticker. <laughs> I've been keeping track of where is what on his body. <laughs> like his taser bolts always come out of his right wrist, right? Like the yes. Uh, where do you go now? Um, I almost wonder. Like, were were these the only three uh, Arbor's disciples that were in the greenhouse, or were there other others there? Uh, I would say that there were others there. I think that being like the only other distinct room they've been in other than hallways, Walt's uh, drawn to go back there. Everything else, they've just kind of been walking through spaces. He wouldn't know if like trying any of these random doors would lead them anywhere. So they've at least been inside the greenhouse. I'm going to say that you uh, make your way back to the greenhouse. Um you do see a couple other uh, arborists there uh, just sort of tending to, you know, one of them is like uh, 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 watering some plants. Uh, one of them is misting some plants. Again, way too humid. You don't need to miss these plants. <laughs> uh, but this arborist is very meticulously and carefully. They are operablin. Uh, they just assume that these plants need mist in, in addition to the absolute soupy, muddy humidity that is in this uh, room. Um, and Forrester Tarment actually comes in from the other side and, and uh, notices the two of you and goes, Ah, yes, were you able to find who you were looking for? Oh, yeah, uh... The, the other, uh, do we have a name for the disciples other than just disciples? Uh, you would have remembered that, uh, uh, the forester, uh, referred to them mostly as seedlings. He mentioned something about an untethering ceremony and saplings, uh, but all the other people that, you know, you've encountered in this room or, like, the other disciples that he's talked about, he's referred to as seedlings. Oh, yeah, Mr. Forster, those, uh, the other seedlings, they were, were super helpful in, in, uh, showing us where Maeve was, and we, we got to chat and and sort of talk about how, how great it's been to, to visit your temple here. I was wondering, though, if... Well, I, I didn't really want to just give give it to Maeve in person right there. Um, My my, my friend and I, we actually wrote up a little bit of a, a thank you card for her. I was wondering if you could just pass this, this envelope along to her later. I, I didn't want to do anything while all, all of her other uh, peers were around. I didn't want to embarrass her or anything, so... Oh. Oh, 
Yes, well, I would be uh, happy to pass this along on your behalf. Excellent. Thank you so much. And and thank you for the tour as well. It was uh, great to have such a an interesting welcome to the, the temple. Well, thank you so much for coming. I think that this is the start of a very bright future between the Arborists here in Lansden and uh, Kindred Multiversal. And hopefully Web Corporation will pay a visit sometime soon and Operablum will unite again. I hope you enjoyed this experience with the Kindred Multiversal Tower. I did very much. I hope you enjoyed our temple. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, uh, enjoyment all around. <laughs> well, we hope to see you again soon. So, Walton Trevfor, you have dropped off the message from Aveline with Forrester Tarment in the Aesirium Temple. The shift is coming to an end. You know you don't want to overstay your welcome in any tower that isn't kindred. Uh, and so you need to make your egress. Uh, same with the other three over in Kindred Multiversal Mega Tower. But before we do that, there is something that we need to do, and that is the disaster roll. Every run in Slug Blaster, there is a certain role that needs to be made, and that is the disaster role. Um, you know, you can't expect everything to go really super well all the time. Slug Blasting is dangerous, even when you Slug Blast in your own dimension. And eventually, your luck might run out. So this is our role to see if your luck does, in fact, run out, or if it is a total success. So here's what we're going to do. Each of you is going to roll 1d6 for every trouble box you have not marked on your sheet. So for every empty trouble box on your playbook, minimum of one, you are going to roll a d6. So if you have four empty trouble boxes, you roll 4d6. A six, perfect success, easy street. You avoid disaster, you're going to mark one style. Four or a five is a close call. You are going to avoid disaster narrowly and mark one trouble. One to three is disaster. You are going to mark doom, which we will talk about what that means if anyone is unfortunate enough to roll disaster. And then I am going to give you a disaster. So once you have your number of dice calculated, let's get those rolls. Okay, who rolled a six? Uh, I did. I rolled a six. I technically have one more die to roll because I have seven empty boxes. Um, I mean, we I need the six. highest roll, so a six is perfect. Anybody yeah. else? I did. I have rolled two sixes. Ooh. Six from Walt and a six from I mean, technically from I rolled two sixes as well, but I wasn't going to make a big thing of it. So. Uh, I'm choosing to. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, I'm, you know, the chill is all about doubles, so I'm, I'm making a big thing about fair, it. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I also rolled a six. Also a six, easy street for all of you. Um, yeah, you uh, are going to make it out of these towers without incident, uh, and each one of you can mark one style. Does that include Robin? I didn't hear Robin. Robin, what did you roll? I rolled eight d6. Uh-huh. Because uh, I have not marked any trouble the entire run. Oh, wow. Uh, the highest I got was a four. The oh. highest oh. was oh, no. a four. <laughs> 
that's that's the beauty of these Forged in the Dark games. Uh, the D6. Mm. Uh, sometimes one die will get you that six, and sometimes eight dice will not get you what you want. <laughs> so here's what I'm going to say for you, Maybelline. Um, you're obviously not going to get a disaster, right? This doesn't go mm-hmm. horribly, horribly wrong for you. But as the three of you are leaving the Daibokin race, you're actually approached by uh, a group of people with like a camera drone behind them. And uh, one of them says, oh, uh, sorry, excuse me. Um, I I I just couldn't help but notice your participation in the Daibokin Dash. And I I also couldn't help but notice your robes. Um, Could you please confirm for me, are you an arborist? Uh, and she kind of like looks to her two companions and like looks down at her robes and realizes that she's like she doesn't really have any deniability to go on here. <laughs> like that arborist emblem is is right there on her shoulder, and and this is presumably being broadcast. So she says, "Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, a- absolutely. I I'm with the Aserium Temple in Lansdon Tower. I'm here, uh, as." part of my allocory uh as as an outreach project to uh the fine folks here at Kindred trying to spread the word of arborism and um foster relationships between the towers yep that's why i'm here they uh the the, the two sort of reporters look excited and and the other one says oh, does so you can say for for sure that that the towers are starting to open up the lines of communication again do you think that that the unity of operable and towers is in our imminent future i can't say anything like that for certain but it is truly my hope that we can find unity between the towers and and find ways to collaborate and and work together as that is how operablem is strongest can we get your name what's your name uh my uh, my name you want to know my name your name yes please (laughs) i think she has a brief second where she considers saying the name of one of her like she she thinks about saying sharla for a second and then realizes that she can't do that to her friend, but she's just panicking. Like she, she realizes how bad this might bite her, and she's combing her brain for anything that she can say. But I think she also realizes that at this point, the damage is done. That like mm-hmm. her, her image is being broadcast. She's being interviewed. Like if if Forrester Tarment or anyone else back at the temple sees this, they know who she is. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think. In that split second, she realizes that, you know what, lying here isn't going to help her, and saying who she is might, you know, might help her branding and help get their crew on the map. So she says, my name is is Maybelline Zandros, and I'm here with the Arborists. Thank you, Maybelline. Thank you for your time. Uh, y- yeah, don't don't mention it. No problem. No problem, I hope. <laughs> uh, and they, they go off. Um, so... Brinley, Helix, Maeve, you are making your way uh, back down uh, Kindred Multiversal. Um, Seems like other than that brief run-in with the reporters, you managed to, you know, make it through without any sort of uh, uh, um, interruption by any sort of security or prohibitive forces. Uh, And you make your way uh, down the... um, 
down a lift that will take you to floor two, where you can uh, find your way to Zenith 98 Hub to get you back to Trinity Municipal Park. And we're just going to give you a brief beat uh, in the elevator. Hey, uh, Helix, listen, I'm, I'm sorry about back there. I mean, you know, you were the one that, that made it a competition, but, but I know we kind of ganged up on you and I guess, I don't know, are we, are we Plasta? Is everything all right? We certainly are. I, I bear you no ill will for, uh, uh, stepping to my challenge and, and helping our friend. At the end of the day, we, we are a crew. We are a team, um, team tetrachromacy. Uh, and, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, Maeve rolls th- her eyes at that, but, but is like, doesn't say anything because she is apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have to, to get you on the next one, Brindley. And he, he looks over at Brindley. Um, yeah, he's, he's obviously not like thrilled he lost, but he's, this is, this would be a weird thing to get like, I hate you and you're not my friend anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I set the challenge. I have to, to take my lumps with the, uh, foolish decision I made. That's all right, Helix. And look, I got this cool device thingy. Like, I know we were talking about giving it to Walt for his Divokin or whatever, but, like, we could probably get some pretty cool components out of this and maybe jazz up our own gear. Certainly. Though, uh, as fun as this uh, shift of uh, hoverboard shenanigans was, I don't feel like we're any closer to finding this Walt fellow. We were so confident he'd be there. It was full of these Divokin things. And he sort of, like, doesn't know what to do with his dollar store Daibokin anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember what it sounded like. It sounds like that now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, As you're talking about uh, Walt, uh, Walt and Trev 4, you are also making your way down to the theater uh, in Lansden uh, Enterprise Mega Tower on floor two so that you can sneak through the ductwork from the orchestra pit. Um, and we uh, similarly will give you a beat as you make your way down the empty uh, streets slash hallways of Lansden. It seems that our mission was successful, was it not, Mr. Walton? I'd certainly say so. I, Trev, I, we, we got all the messages out. I mean, it, it would have been nice if we could have seen at least one of the three, but man, I, I just can't believe that... We, we got all the way through these other foreign towers and we're, we actually managed to do it. I, I'm really glad that I, I made the choice to reach out to you first. I appreciate that. And Walton, you have shown that you are very capable. Yeah, I am very honored to have helped you. Oh, well, thanks, Trev. I'm, I'm really glad you were here to help too. In fact, actually, there's, well, part of why I was reaching out to all the others here, I, I'm I'm thinking I might need help with well it's a bit of a journey down the road here. Um do you think you'd want to come help me out again? I would be honored to help you further. Of course, you are obligated to rent me again. I I cannot just come for free. Oh, yes, uh, right, of course the <laughs> uh the robotics center. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I I could definitely look into that. I it's been great having you around, and though you're a little uh, eager with the taser sometimes, I I think you... It's, it's nice knowing you've always got an eye on my back. That is what I'm here for. And as the two of you, at this point you are in the park, making your way through the empty concrete planters and the benches, uh, and as you get closer to the sliding glass doors of Zenith 98 Hub, they open 
well before you get there. And walking through the doors into the park are the three very people that you have been seeking out this whole time. Brinley, Maybelline, and Helix. Walton, it seems that I have done even better in our mission. I was able <laughs> to find the three. <laughs> oh, y- y- you're kidding. Uh, hey, 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 guys, hey. Yeah, I don't think we're going to find him. Oh, well, I guess we'll have to find a different fourth for our- Whoa, whoa, what? Hey, Walton, and it's Trev 4. Oh, man, does that mean that you're the one who rented him? Uh, yeah, I I picked him up as soon as the shop opened this morning. I I got him so he could help me find you guys. And I can't, I can't believe what are the chances you, you're coming right back down here. We walked into that shop what it must have been moments after you left, looking to, to see if Trev 4 knew where to find you. Uh, early birdkin gets the wormkin. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, we thought we were going to see you at the Dibble Kandash in Kindred. We we participated, we won, and we, well, you know, as a sign of goodwill from our group to yours, we just wanted to give you this prize. And with just like the <laughs> biggest shit-eating grin, he looks at Brindley uh, and points to the thing in her hand. <laughs> oh, shoot, wait, that, the dash was today? I, I completely forgot. I was so uh, absorbed in trying to find all of you. And Wait, did, did you say you won? Well... Technically, Brinley won, if we're being factual, <laughs> and kind of smirks uh, smugly over at Helix. Jeez, uh. c- c- congrats! That's a that's an awesome event to to go in for. I I, I didn't know all of you were into Daibukin. Uh yeah, I think they're real gridge. Uh, I I don't know much about them, but I can't wait to learn. Jollicum, jollicum. I made my own. He has a hat. <laughs> oh, that's a uh, that's a sick drawing. But we were mostly at the dash to, for being honest, to uh, uh, try to find you. We uh, he sort of like bobs his head back and forth. It's kind of awkward, but like we we just we had a great time. We want you on the team. <clears throat> I mean, um, well, well, we were talking, and uh, well, we we think that you know you'd, you'd be a valuable uh, addition to uh, the 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 crew. Uh, whatever we end up calling it um if if you're interested in that sort of thing and and you know you could have the Dibokin thingy and that's that's pretty gridge and you know if you take it then you should probably be on the crew because it'd be rude to take it and not join the crew <laughs> wait what you your crew the, the the three of you well the four of us yeah all the best crews have four and uh, i don't see why it can't be you know the four of us uh, three operablins and a Thenespartian against the world, and he sort of grabs, like, puts his arm around your shoulder, puts his arm around Maybelline's kind of gestures for Brinley to get in here, and sort of like, it's like, against the world. <laughs> Four, fourteen's different towers in the spirit of cooperation and interconnectivity. Uh, I, I think as I'm trying to read Walton and trying to, like, get a sense, uh, Walton, what is your emotional state in this, as you realize that they, the three of them want you on their team. I think just like a lot of shock, Walt really does not see himself as a slug blaster. A, a big part of why he was trying to connect to them is, is as he was sort of alluding to Trevor, he was actually hoping to uh, ask for their help in in a, a bit of a, a, tr- a multi-dimensional trip that he wants to take down the line. And he was just hoping to like, <laughs> I guess, almost contract them out to, to guide him <laughs> around. And the idea of being part of a crew is just not anything that he had considered at all, ever. 
And Trev is kind of analyzing the situation and says to Walton, Walton, I have witnessed that you are very capable. And I believe that doing slug blasting would be a very good task for you to take on. You should join this group. Well, I, 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 I'm, I'm really honored that you'd ask, but I, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm no slug blaster. I'm, I'm not, nothing like, like my cousins. I, yeah, that's why we want you on the crew. You're right. You're nothing like your cousins. You're, you're different, Walt. I mean, your cousins are great. I didn't. I'm not trying to trash them or nothing. I, they're 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 fine. They're good at what they do, but <laughs> they can be a bit intense at times. <laughs> I mean, so we're all the best slug blasters, but but we don't want them. We want you. Here, we can give you this Divokin thingy. Will that help uh, seal the deal? I don't, I don't want to take anything from you. That you won that fair and square, the dash. Yeah, but none of us have a Divokin. Well, ex- except Helix. <laughs> <laughs> Helix, did you want to plug your stink monster into that thing? Not particularly. I feel like this is not a sound investment of technology. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that a is that a first edition Jellican? I got it out of a vending machine. <laughs> can can I see the Dibo vice? Sure. Oh, yeah, the etchings on the back. This is this is practically an antique. I'm surprised it was still in a machine. <laughs> Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, to the right person, a, a, a collector, if, if they're looking for an early model, that that could fetch you quite something. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe I, I was this close to throwing it away in the elevator. I guess I'll hold on to it. Then I'm just going to go and add uh, first edition Daibokin to my gear. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yes, please. Um, but yeah, really, uh, Bryn, you you go ahead and, and keep that Daibo vice. Do whatever you need with it. Figure something out. But I'd be willing to... Give you guys crew a shot if if you'd have me. I mean, yeah, we'd spent the whole day looking for you. Of course, we'd have you. And it sounds like you were looking for us. I mean, you, you came all the way into a completely different tower about it. That's that's taking a pretty big risk. What? Why were you trying to track us down if not to join up? And Maybelline, as you ask Walton why he was seeking out the three of you, we're actually going to cut away from this scene. We'll come back. Don't worry. But I want to jump ahead in time and do some downtime piece. Hello, listeners. It's me, Lena, your Slugmaster Game Blaster, wanting to thank you so, so much for listening and wanting to remind you to please leave a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice. I crave validation constantly, and so it will keep me going. Have you gotten your copy of Slug Blaster yet? The link to the Slug Blaster store is in the show notes of this episode. You can get the game, start your very own crew, start your own runs, and you can get a sweet set of stickers and pins while you're at it. We are at Quantum Kickflip on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow us for new episode updates, audiograms, and more. You can also subscribe to us on Patreon, where for just five bucks a month, you can get early access to every new episode of Quantum Kickflip, as well as bi-weekly bonus content like outtakes and our Session Zero for Operablum. I'd like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. You can check them out at amaas.ca. And finally, we are proud members of the Alberta Podcast Network, who have a ton of amazing locally made shows over at albertapodcastnetwork.com.
We release Quantum Kickflip bi-weekly, so you can catch our next episode on Wednesday, November 30th. I am so excited to announce that our next episode will be our first ever live episode. That's right, we all got together at the official Slug Blaster launch party, and we did a live recording of Quantum Kickflip featuring Robin as the GM and the rest of us as Weird Gravity, the season one crew. Stay tuned for that Wednesday, November 30th, our first live episode. We're going to get you folks right back to the action, but first, here's the GamerBot with a word from our sponsors. Salutations, gamers! Welcome to the Kindred Multiversal Mega Virtual Arcade! Before I can let you partake in the thrilling action of the rest of this episode, I must impart these important messages. This episode of Quantum Kickflip is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in a day, you are calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online at any time on any device, making it easier for them and for you. To learn more and explore your options, go to ab.bluecross.ca. And once you've explored your options and feel calm and collected, please come back to the Kindred Multiversal Mega Virtual Arcade to be exhilarated and overstimulated once again. This episode of Quantum Kickflip is also brought to you by Taproot Edmonton. Taproot publishes weekly roundups on a variety of topics, including food, tech, health innovation, arts, regional news, and business. Taproot gathers up the headlines and happenings on these files and delivers them to your inbox. You can get one or two for free, and if you want more, you can become a Taproot member. Then you can get as many as you want, plus other perks, for just $10 a month or $100 a year. Get informed at taprootedmonton.ca. And if you want a weekly roundup of all of the latest high scores, look no further than your friendly GamerBot. And now, back to the action! Please ensure your headsets, wrist straps, and shoe sensors are secure. Slug Blaster, there are two parts to it. There's the run, where you go to new places, do all sorts of stuff, uh, do tricks, look cool, fight monsters, uh, all of the action and adventure kind of happens in the run. And then there's downtime. Basically what happens between runs, the emotional beats, the at-home life that may impact how your runs go, and your relationships with your crew. So the downtime is what we're going to explore, but before we do, uh, we're going to do just a little bit of brief cleanup. Um, so go ahead and clear your boost, your kick, clear your slams, um, and the other thing that we're going to do is uh, give you all some style. Yeah. So... Team Tetrachromacy, and I'm going to sort of include all five of you in this uh, uh, newly forming crew, you have checked two brands, uh, as you do when you first create your crew. You have Shredders, plus three style on runs where you race, chase, or land big tricks, 
and Ultranauts, plus through style on runs where you find a new world or deal with dimensional weirdness. I would say Shredders maybe applies, and Ultranauts maybe not, because you didn't even leave your dimension. I think that's That's very fair. (laughs) All right, so you got three style in your crew bank right now. You can use that to advance your fame track. You can unlock new perks spending your crew style. You can use your crew style to roll uh, opportunities on the opportunities table. Uh, You can also use that for your own individual beats. If you're like, yo, I just need this extra style to do this thing. Uh, As long as you have permission from the crew, you're good to go. Um, So before we get into individual player beats, is there anything that you want to spend that crew style on as a crew? Yeah, I think we are hoping to try and open up another portal, if we may. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we jump over to the world map. I'm there. Wayfinding to style. Pick a world that borders another and roll 1d6 to see if there is a portal zone connecting them. Uh, so we're going to go, I think the one we want to try and open is between Prismadia and Popularia. Sounds good. A one. <laughs> one is one way to be. So you get... The uh, straight across route from Prismadia to Popularia. And as luck would have it, there is already a one-way portal zone from Popularia to Prismadia. So you have a way in and out of Popularia. Hell yeah. Nice. Bolton and Trev 4. After meeting up with the rest of your newfound crew, you make your way back to the repurposed robotic personnel division so that, Walt, you can drop off Trev. Uh, You uh, walk through and you hear a ding, welcome, Uh, and you're greeted by this harsh yellow light that never changes with the shifts, the smell of oil and cleaning product, and behind the counter is the mechanic who runs the repurposed robotic personnel division. Oh, whoa, I yeah, I was kind of expecting to see Brayden. Yeah, no, I, he only comes in when I'm on break, but uh, I can help you. Uh, what, can, what can I do you for? Oh, I've... Glenzo Tensorton's the name. It hasn't been said yet, and that's a crime because <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, uh, here we are, uh, Glenzo uh, Tensorton. Uh, I was just coming back to uh, return Trev 4 from uh, the rental today. He was an incredible help. Oh, good, good. Uh, yeah, he's uh, uh, met all your specifications there. Uh, left you a satisfied customer? Oh, absolutely. Honestly, more than satisfied. I'm I'm sure I'll be back. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, if you got more business, you can. Uh, we can we can just keep your account open, and uh, I'll just charge you for another shift if that's uh, if that's uh, you know if you if you still need his help, I'm I'm happy to keep that tab running. Oh no, I. I think we're all set for, for this shift, but... Are you sure? God, I mean, we could just talk about it for five or ten more minutes, and then it would roll over to the next shift, and then it would automatically charge your account. So if you want uh, to weigh the pros and cons... <laughs> uh, no, that's that's all right. I We've, we've had a bit of a long one anyway. <laughs> all right. Well, then I'm contractually obligated to, to end your account and uh, stop charging you, so I guess I'll do that. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> and he rings you up at the, at the like, uh, hyper till, uh, which is like a till, but more futuristic. <laughs> uh yeah we're just gonna have to take a look at him for uh any any uh damage and whatnot you know we took all the pictures beforehand we got to compare and make sure that you haven't uh added any excess wear and tear but it should all be good or if it's not we'll just we'll just charge you for it but uh uh you're you're, you're good to head out um we got you we got all your information on file Be- before you head out uh you should also fill out 
a comment card. Oh, oh, you don't have to do that. It's they. I mean, if you want, but it's really kind of pointless. Oh well, no, that that's that's no big deal. Um, Trev, you you head on in for the the photo checkup, I guess. Um, I'll I'll just fill this out and then I'll I'll leave once I'm done, if that's okay. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure working with you today, Walton. Uh, it's been a pleasure working with you. And I head off uh, to to uh, get my checks done. Yeah, so you head into the back. Uh, that, that scrubber bot that is covered in star stickers and you don't know how because you've never given it a star sticker before uh, mm-hmm. uh, climbs on up and and does its little scrubber bot thing. Uh, scrubs at the spot on your torso where you would have gotten a big gaping gash. Uh, fortunately uh, Walt and Scampykin uh, did protect you from such an injury. And all up and down your torso and, and along your arms and legs and just cleans you right up. You did a very good job. And uh, a little sticker out of the thumb. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It seems that you are very good at your job. You should keep it up. <laughs> uh, I am cu- uh, Trevor is curious uh, because he thinks he did a pretty good job uh, today. Mm-hmm. So he's very curious if there is a comment card and he uh, uh, proceeds back out. It was probably a few minutes and everything mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the maintenance. You maybe hear Glenzo from the other room even uh, saying like, uh, you, you really don't have to. It doesn't. It doesn't matter at all. What you, no. Okay. Well. No, yeah. That's please. Fine. Just. Uh, it's just. Yeah. Just give me the pen. I. I would like to write one. Thank you. Uh, and then a moment later, Glenzo comes walking back into the back area, holding the comment card, uh, and goes, "Well, uh, good job, I guess, Trev. It seems like. Uh, seems like the customer's satisfied." And he crumples up the comment card and just throws it in a nearby trash can. But it's you see exactly where he threw it. It's in full view of you. And then he wanders off to go do something else. <laughs> go take another break. Yeah. <laughs> Brayden, you're up. Here I come. <laughs> uh, and Trevor uh, uh, quickly moves over and, and pulls up the card and like uncrinkles it. And uh, uh, what does it say on the card? Trevor went above and beyond during this rental. It's hard to imagine how they've produced seven, quote-unquote, more advanced models since them. It seems like it would be difficult to iterate on perfection. Aww. W. Wick. <laughs> and Trevor uh, is scanning it, scanning it, and just, it means a lot to him to, to be able to help. And uh, he uh, folds it up, knowing that tonight his memory is going to be erased and he is going to forget about Walton and the crew. Uh, that scene was passion uh, where I used to style and uh, I look through crew photos, daydream about portals, feel the wind in your face as you skate. Uh, show us what you love and how much. And I think what it is, is this comment card uh, encapsulates this special day that uh, he did particularly well and that he feels he brought people together, which is his whole design. Uh, and so the trait I get from that, I'm going to go with uh, team player uh, where I mark one style whenever uh, I take or nope a slam for someone.
So Maeve arrives back to the Arborist Temple. Um, I think she's mindful of how she uh, enters the temple and is just like, you know, she maybe didn't tell anyone she was going out, so she doesn't particularly want to have to answer questions about where she was. Um, I think she does maybe bump into Tarment, and Tarment is in a weirdly good mood, uh, like mm-hmm. is, is way more personable and, and way less disapproving than he usually is around Maeve. Um, maybe because of this uh, lie that the others wove about how Maeve set up this whole like inter-tower outreach thing. Uh, but she <laughs> has no idea about any of that. So she just catches Tarment in a good mood and is like, weird, all right. Uh, and <laughs> tries not to read too much into it and just gets back to her dorm as quickly as possible. Um, and when she gets there, she uh, just takes a moment to herself. I think I established last time that she's she's not uh, a fully social person and, and uh, I think living in a, essentially a commune or a monastery doesn't get a lot of time to herself. So um, Charla's not, not here right now. Um, no one else is, is in her space and she just kind of takes that moment to take a breath and, and have some alone time. Uh, but that doesn't last uh, as a little silver orb on on a nearby shelf <laughs> begins to vibrate uh, and and makes that terrible clattering sound when something's sitting on a on a hard surface and vibrating, um, and she thinks about ignoring it for a second, but ultimately uh, sighs and gets up and presses a button uh, on the top of the orb, uh, and from the top of it uh, it erupts into uh, sort of pale blue light. Uh, that quickly forms the face of a Thenespartian, an, an older-looking Thenespartian woman uh, in similar robes to Maeve, um, kind of a three-dimensional holographic image of this person who is uh, known to Maeve as Forrester Carmina. Hello, Maeveline. Carmina, uh, hi. Uh, uh, everything, um, what's, is, is it all, um, hi. Hello, I'm just calling, uh, since you're so interested in outreach i thought i'd take a rare opportunity to reach out to you interdimensionally and see how things are going in the three warring corporate mega towers of operablen oh you know those mega towers they're they're warring <laughs> you know how it goes right um uh we, we're doing our best to foster a sense of unity and sort of bring the towers together to hopefully find their place in the broader multiverse, but, uh, you, you know, they just, they love their war in those mega towers. That's what they do. <laughs> Is that the nature of your aloe, Corey, that we sent you on to, 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 you know, when we said to spread the good word of the arborists, I, I thought it was Im- assumed you didn't uh, think it meant, uh, speak on behalf of the arborists as an organization throughout the multiverse. I, I mean, I would, wouldn't presume to, uh, I mean, I wouldn't think that, um, Vox, you already know, don't you? We yeah. get multidimensional feeds, uh, here in Thenispar, and I saw you on, uh, w- their equivalent of the, the local news, was it? Listen, Carmina, I'm, I'm sorry, I wasn't planning on, on speaking on behalf of anyone, but they kind of cornered me with the camera, and I, I had to say something, I, I didn't know, I, I thought that sounded like, you know, what, what Tarment would say, or, or what you might say. Well, you're not totally off base, but you know we're we're there as guests and and dignitaries, uh, not not to 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 disrupt uh, the the status quo and the way of their life. We're 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 it's the job of the arborist to ease these dimensions into 
the fold of the multiverse and into a, a, a more sense of unity and, and ham-fisting, insisting uh, that they get along is, is certainly uh, no way to breed diplomacy. So uh, whatever it is you get up to there, please kindly keep it into the purview of your own experience with the Arborists. You're right. You're right. I'm 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 sorry, Carmina. I didn't mean to. I don't have an excuse. I'm just sorry. I understand new dimensions can be uh, troubling. Not troubling. I understand new dimensions can be a challenging endeavor, and so we'll let it slide this time. But um, I, I took a chance on you, Maybelline. Please, please don't have me regret it. Uh, things are very busy in every corner of the multiverse, and I'm I don't have time to stroll. Uh, across the multiverse to uh, uh, cash checks written by your mouth that your your ass couldn't cash. So, you're right. I I I'll do better. I I'll make you proud, Carmina. I promise. See that you do. So, uh, by letting it slide, does that mean that you're not gonna tell Tarman about this little incident? She like winces and braces herself for bad news. <laughs> <laughs> That fellow's got enough on his plate, uh, uh, just, uh, I guess, if anything, I'm a little disappointed he's not, uh, watching the news. That's one of the things he's been tasked with, is to keep his, uh, <laughs> self abreast of the local goings-ons, and if so he doesn't know what's going on, that's him not doing his job. So, looks like all of our seedlings and saplings and, uh, other dignitaries, uh, out in Operablum, uh, maybe not, uh, representing, uh, the best of the arborists today. All right, well, uh... Thank you. I appreciate it. That guy is hard to deal with at the best of times, and I, I, I don't need to be any more on his bad side than I already had. I, I mean, not that I have done anything to get on his bad side, but the three D, the three D holograms starts doing the the thing where you like run your one of your hands across your neck, like uh, uh, shut up, shut up, because uh, the door. The, He's, he's, he's behind you. <laughs> and the, 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 the video call can see it, but you can't. So the hologram is like. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, I mean, that guy's pretty hard to deal with at the best of times. And he's honestly been quite a quite a pain in my ass. Ah, Forrest retirement. I uh, didn't didn't hear you. Didn't hear you knock because you never do. <laughs> Oh, very sorry. I didn't realize that you were on a call. Uh, hello, Forrester Carmina. Uh, me and Carmina was just finishing up. I'll uh, uh, talk, talk soon, Carmina. Thank you again. And the little orb, uh, the, the light from the top of the orb zoops back in and it, it becomes inert once more. Well, I hope Forrester Carmina is doing well. I'm very sorry to interrupt. I, I just completely forgot that uh, I needed to deliver this to you. And he holds out an envelope with your name on it. Uh, yeah, she takes it. It was uh, delivered by a fellow, um, oh, what was his name? Walton something. Walton... I was, uh, I was distracted. W Walton Wick? Oh, yes, Walton Wick. He seemed very, uh, adamant that, you know, he, he makes sure that it gets to you, you know. He, he delivered it to me by hand, said he wanted to deliver it, uh, to you, but, you know, there were people around, and, uh, seems like you two have a really good rapport, so I made sure that it, uh, got to you to, you know, um, make sure that all went smoothly. Maeve has been... Slack-jawed and wide-eyed this entire time. Like, she she knew that Walt came around looking for them, but just hearing Tarment talk about, like, that, that he wanted to deliver this note personally and that we, we have a good rapport, she just, <laughs> uh, was like, wow, he, uh, he 
Cared a lot about getting this to me, huh? Uh, 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 well, okay. Uh, thank you. Um, leave now. I mean, uh, uh, is there anything else that I can... Um... Uh, nope, that's all. Goodbye. <laughs> she's, she can't wait to open this note up. So she's just... She, yeah. Uh, she immediately turns around and tears into it. Uh, fantastic. And you are going to find out the, com- the contents of this note momentarily but for now what scene did we see uh we just saw trouble at home your family disapproves how why do you care plus one slam and pick a teammate who notices uh so i will mark that beat and clear my trouble um lena what what slam am i taking and i'll i'll decide who notices uh i think your slam is going to be worried Let's say I feel like Bryn and I bonded a lot over the course of this uh, run. We we uh, kind of came together representing Lansden in the end there and, and uh, t- took home the win. So I'm going to say Brinley notices. Okay. And speaking of Brinley. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a dark shift. Uh, most of the people in Lansden Tower should be sleeping by now, but Bryn is not among them. <gasps> uh, Brinley, no. Brinley, no. Uh, Brinley, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she slips out of her uh, the, the place where she lives with her family, and begins to do a uh, a a dark shift free run okay so going off of the uh, the thrill of winning the race uh, she's still running high and makes her way down to the municipal park Mm -hmm. and gets through to Kindred now in my other gear I have something you shouldn't have. Okay. And I think that thing that you should that she shouldn't have is uh, an address that she swiped from Post Host. Ooh. Okay. You're tracking someone down. I'm tracking someone down, and she goes through Kindred, uh, up through the was it a food court? Uh, it was it was basically a mall, so there's definitely a food court in there. Yeah, up through there. Uh, kind of in the... I don't know what time it is there. Maybe there are people kicking around. Uh, but she uh, continues her free run and doesn't really care who sees her now that she's out of her own power and winds up uh, in the tenements section mm-hmm. and knocks on the door and leaves a little device in front of the door before running away. And... I think you're right in that the shift is different. I actually kind of like the idea that maybe the lower the floors are, the more in sync the shifts are. Um, Maybe from remnants of a time when Operable was maybe a little more cooperative. Um, But here the shift is different. Uh, You uh, left shortly after a dark shift. This is shortly after the start of a light shift. So people are out and about, but not a lot. Uh, the quote-unquote early risers uh, on these floors. Uh, As you go and knock on the door and run off, the door opens, and standing on the other side is a kid with messy, messy hair because he's not wearing his ball cap with the detached brim. 
and Brabley leans out, looks to one side, looks to the other, looks down. What did you leave for him? I, I left him the Dibo device. <laughs> what? <laughs> did, did, does it have a note attached? I want to know what Brinley said. <laughs> uh, it just says, a gift from your namesake. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and Bradley picks it up, and uh, his eyes light up as he realizes what it is. And he looks around again, and no one hears it, but he says, Thanks, Bradley. <laughs> and he turns around and closes the door behind him. <laughs> what does that mean? Because of all the free running and because of all the... Uh flouting of rules. That was swagger. Uh, mm. Give two style. A scene where you mouth off a rival, break your own record, comment on your own videos, show up late, or just live life fast and loud. Plus one trait. What trait are you unlocking? I'm gonna unlock show off. Because I think her spirits are riding high. You get plus one d6 when you do a trick. You just can't help it. The spotlight loves you. Oh baby, that's such a good trait. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, I'm going to say that you stopped by Post Host, you know, to get this illicit address. Uh, and before you left, you saw there was something in your cubby. You're like, okay, weird. And you took it with you to read later. Um, when you do get back to Lansden and go back to your apartment, that will give you the opportunity to open it up and see what it's about. You do see that the front of the envelope is marked red. Helix, you walk through the front lobby of uh, one of the facilities of the Pinnacle Project. Um, you walk through this waiting room-esque place. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of set up uh, a little bit for general sort of social interactions. You make your way to the door on the other side that appears to have no way of opening it. Uh, press your thumb up against the thumb pad and of course the doors slide open for you. You walk through to find yourself in a space that is a bit more suited to each individual within the Pinnacle Project. It's sort of a maker space. You can um, tend to your hoverboard here, uh, any sort of things that you want to do where you sort of want your own space to do it, you have that space. I think you alluded to a bonsai tree in Helix's introduction. Uh, yeah. Maybe that tree <laughs> is there. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he. the first thing he does, he, he sets down his, his board onto the table. It's still sparking, um, drops any kind of like bag or whatever he might have with him, um, and then immediately goes over to the bonsai tree, uh, pulls out a protractor and looks at the current uh, left <laughs> squiggle uh, that he's building and then goes over to the because I said it was squiggly but symmetrical goes over to yeah. the right squiggle measures the protractor make sure the degrees are right logs it in a in a dock on his phone uh, and then sits down to to try to um, not just mend his board because uh, of course I took the slam broken board slams are clear to the end of runs but um, I think he, he clears it here um, mm -hmm. so sets to work fixing his board uh, as well as uh, uh, trying to at least um, upgrade it. I would like to spend two style uh, on an in-the-lab scene and roll for those uh, gems or coils or components needed to find a new ability. 
Yeah, so How in the Lab works. It's one of those beats that you can take at any time, spending a style. Uh, so you can install mods you have components for, uninstall mods and salvage the components, exchange three matching components for one of your choice, and or roll to gain one random component. So you can do all of these things with the one style that you spend on in the lab. Mm -hmm. I'm going to roll for two random components. Possibly three if I get a six, because six is choose and roll again. Ooh la la. Uh, let's see, I got a four, which is a gem, and a three, mm -hmm. which is a lens. Okay. Gem and a lens. I can only uh, unlock one thing, and so I think I, I'm going to uh, go immediately uh, use the gem and lens I just got to, to upgrade um, my hard light board. Fantastic. What are you getting? I, and again, based solely on what I rolled, uh, maybe, <laughs> not, maybe not Liam's first pick, but um, <laughs> I get a flicker switch. Avoid a physical slam by marking one turbo. You blink out of existence for a second. What's that feel like? Ooh, that's interesting. Uh, but also, I guess, kind of fun, because I did take a slam, uh, a physical slam earlier, too, so. There you go. Maybe you learned that's what you could do. All right, let's see here if I connect this gem to this lens. I should be able to extend the hard light engagement to... Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Oh, so sorry, I was I was deep in my work. Uh, what, what can I do for you? And you turn to see another member of the Pinnacle Project. They are wearing the same purple jumpsuit. Hair is pulled back in a tight brown ponytail. Uh, and this is a little, like, people in the Pinnacle Project, like, I don't know, sometimes talk to each other. You can decide, I guess, how social they are with each other. Um, but this one looks at you and they say, You would not happen to identify as Helix Pinnacle, friend of Walton Wick? Uh, yeah, when I'm outside of the Pinnacle Project, that is precisely how I identify. Why do you ask? Walton Wink came by with a message for you, and I promised to deliver it on his behalf. Oh, thank you. And and they uh, take an envelope, because I like the narrative consistency, mm -hmm. and they uh, uh, hand it over to you. Uh, they sort of stare at each other in sort of awkward silence for a moment. Um, and then uh, that, that person from the, the other person from the Binnacle Project just turns on their heel and, and leaves as if like, well, of course, all the business <laughs> is done. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> this transaction is over. <laughs> uh, leaving you with an envelope. So as each of you, Brinley, Helix, and Maeve, uh, as you receive your envelopes and open them, um... What's inside is uh, basically a message from Walt um, saying that he wants to meet and he wants to talk to you. Now, of course, you've already had this conversation in Trinity Municipal Park, but there's something else in the message. It's a link. nexochat.vr slash and a series of numbers. And... What this is that Walt has given to you is basically a method for all of you to communicate with each other without risking sending messages that may be caught by higher-ups and without needing to take a chance on meeting in Trinity Municipal Park every single time. You now have access to your very own private chat room where you can meet, message each other, and talk to each other as if you were talking in person. Yeah, I think after Walt finishes up with Trev 4 at the Repurposed Robotics Personnel Division, 
Uh, I think he makes his way on home, still over in Kindred Tower. Uh, he gets back on down to floor 303, does his normal sort of walk through the uh, somewhat neighborhood that's there and heads up uh, uh, in, into into his home. And uh, from there, the, the house is quiet and uh, it's not unusual for Wolf, but he's, he's in pretty good spirits from everything that happened today. And he just heads on up to his room to... Uh, try and relax a little and uh, we sort of see like almost a bit of a time lapse to now being up in his room and Walt's seated on the edge of the bed he's got a, a controller for a game system in hand uh, looking across the room to a TV we can sort of see it's like a, a horizontal split screen clearly being done as like a couch co-op through like a, like a first person shooter think you're like campaign mode in a Halo game or something like that and the top screen uh, the person is just wrecking shop, doing incredibly. Uh, the bottom screen is mostly just kind of looking around, uh, just kind of like turning the camera, not pressing any buttons, firing guns, or doing anything, but they're still ma managing to make it through the level despite the second player constantly just respawning, and that's all they're doing. Uh, and we can see uh, beside the bed uh, to Walt's right, uh, hovering just above a beanbag chair, is Scampykin, who's just using his little pincers to kind of bop around on a second controller that's also plugged into the system. Oh my god! <laughs> and uh, I think Walt takes a moment and just like, without looking away from the screen, just starts chatting with Scampykin, and uh, it's just like, I can't believe it. We we managed to get through to all of them and and talk to them and not only that, Scampy, they they wanted us in the crew. Yeah, I, I I know that I know they only mainly asked me, but I'm I'm sure they want you there too, bud. I I'm a little nervous about about joining on with them, but I. I think we got big things coming for us, bud. I'm, I'm thrilled to see where it goes. Oh, hey, nice shot. Stop, 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 stop. And uh, the two of them just continue on, chilling, having a good night of it, uh, playing or attempting to play video games. And that's a, that's a nice, little, little, nice little time for them. That's adorable. What scene is this? This beat would be just vibin'. Uh, spend two style. A scene of you being you. Playing video games, sleeping, eating chips, chasing butterflies, whatever. Show us how carefree you are. Plus one trait. Amazing. What trait did you get? Uh, the one that I'm unlocking with this, uh, fairly fittingly to what we observed there. Uh, quirk. For some weird reason, you're good at, and the blank I've chose to fill in is marksmanship. Uh, through gaming, uh, whether it's VR gaming <laughs> or just first-person shooting, uh, if this would help you with an action, you can spend one trouble to upgrade a 1-3 to three result into a 4-5 result. Incredible. So, if I do get get around to using ray guns, unlike I did with my first <laughs> character in Season 1, this should help. <laughs> we'll see. I have yet to see Walt use a ray gun. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I almost used one today, but those flowers knew what was good for them. <laughs> There's been a lot of, like, just regular civilians and children in this in this run, so yeah. I don't know that we needed <laughs> guns that often. <laughs> That's fair. So after her conversation with Carmina and uh, receiving this correspondence from Walt, 
Um, Maeve makes her way out of the temple once again. She's really pushing her luck here, um, sneaking out more than once uh, within the same period here. But uh, uh, she she's got some lingering uh, feelings to work out from this run. She she doesn't isn't happy with how that went down. How she uh, specifically the, the the forest beat that she couldn't quite navigate her way through, and that those those daibokin threw off her rhythm there. Um, so she makes her way down, as she often does, into the lower floors of Lansden. Um, and we've talked about how, in Lansden Tower specifically, a lot of the lower floors have been cleared out in anticipation of installing giant air purifiers to try and combat this toxic fog that's slowly rising on Opera Ablum. Um And I think she's got a favorite floor that has been you know, gutted, but not yet fully, uh, like nothing has been installed yet. So there's the walls have all been taken out, but the beams uh, and like supports are all still there. Uh, and she likes to go down there to train on her hoverboard and just like weave through these support beams at high speeds and see if she can navigate through the tight corners and stuff, uh, which is part of why she thought she would be so ready for that challenge. Um, she comes uh, this time uh, prepared for a little something extra. Uh, before leaving the temple, she uh, she swung by that same um, greenhouse garden area that the others had gone to. Uh, I think the arborists are very um, into sustainability and uh, you know reusing and revitalizing and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. So I think they grow a lot of their own food, and I think they try and use as much of it as they can. Uh, they probably sell some of it to sort of help keep their operation going um and i think they also are big on compost to uh to keep their greenhouse running so mave has raided the compost um and she's now down on this floor and she pulls out some uh particularly pungent food scraps she was able to find like some some vegetable rinds and peels and stuff that have like started to to go off a little bit um Mm -hmm. and she takes a handful of this this disgusting glop and just kind of scatters it around um, in the hopes that it will attract uh, some sort of operablin pest that I'm going to throw it to you, Lena. What What is the cockroach or rat equivalent on operablin? Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. Um, yeah, let's maybe say like, um, like cockroaches, they got like big hard shells. Uh, they're like very like pointy uh, and they're the size of tennis balls and they are called operoaches. <laughs> very good. So she... Uh, <laughs> scatters these food scraps, the opera roaches come skittering in from all sides, um, and she sort of cracks her knuckles and gets to training, and she's she's doing her usual exercise of weaving through these beams, but with the added hazard of these roaches skittering this way and that uh, in search of food scraps, uh, much like the Daibokin that she was uh, so unable to avoid, and she just, you know, every once in a while one of them skitters right in her path, and she beats it hard, but she gets back up and gets back on her board. Um, she begins to sort of learn the rhythm of how to navigate these hazards, and it's not just about you know finding the quickest route through. Sometimes you've gotta you gotta hang back and wait for that perfect opportune moment. <laughs> um, and we just see a little montage of this unfolding of her sort of calculating and learning how to follow these rhythms. Um, and that is my trait beat of grinding. A scene where you work hard, prep carefully, wait patiently, fall and get back up, etc. Plus one trait which I am putting towards patient. Uh, when you reveal how you've been waiting to act, get plus one D6 or plus one kick on your action. That is so perfect for Maybelline. Mm-hmm. Very good. <laughs>
So where I think we catch up with Trevor is it's getting later in the shift. Uh, he's supposed to have his memory wipe very soon, uh, but he's wandered out and in his hand, he's still rereading uh, the note, uh, the, the comment card by Walton as, as his other cameras are still like able to like guide him kind of a thing. And uh, in his uh, programming, he's trying to find where would be the best hiding spot. And it's, uh, it's, you know, figuring out, is it this way, this way? And just going through what the logical thing that a, uh, would be the best place to hide something. And he, you know, goes down this hallway, down that hallway, uh, down a floor, over this way. And he finds this, like, little area that's kind of in behind. And he can see that there is, like oh, this is out of uh, the way of any security cameras and stuff like that. Because he realized if he just like leaves this uh, behind and he gets his memory wiped, then, uh, he, you know, Glenzo is just going to throw this out. So he wants to save mm -hmm. it. Uh, and he, you know, he gets to this panel. He pulls the panel back and uh, he's going to put it inside. Uh, behind the panel. Now, the interesting thing about this panel is you've picked a really good hiding spot. You've used all of your logic, you've run the numbers, and you think that this is the perfect place where you can put this card that no one will find it. The interesting thing is that when you open up this panel, there's other stuff in there already. And it kind of has a similar sort of vibe to it in that it feels like things that someone would presumably want to save. There's like a, a sticker that is like both sort of shiny holographic and also kind of like comes off the surface a little bit. Uh, and, and it still is on its backing. It's not stuck to anything. It has yet to be peeled and stuck on something. Um, there's uh, a folded up piece of paper and when you sort of open it up you see that it's uh, a poster for some sort of movie um, there's uh, anti-grav hover stabilizers the kind of thing that you would put on like a trolley or something if one of the one of the uh, grav repulsors wasn't working quite right um, and there's like a couple other things like that little trinkets and nuts and bolts in behind this panel it seems like this is a great hiding spot. Everybody is using this hiding spot. It must be the best. And <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I close up my comment card and put it inside. As you put this card into the panel, uh, you sort of brush one of the hover stabilizers aside, and underneath it, you see a small chip. Some sort of memory chip, uh, maybe something to improve your hardware or something like that. And uh, I, I take a look at it and like analyze the code and everything. Um, this would be an independent code enabler. Mm -hmm. A nice chip. So Trev, uh, uh, Trev looks at it, scans it, and realizes what it is, what kind of chip this is. And... Uh, he opens up in his chest, which is the access to where his uh, ROM is, and he uh, inserts this chip inside and closes it up. 
and um, realizing what he's done, closes up the panel, uh, uh, tightens it up again, and returns back for his nightly update. You return back to the repurposed robotic personnel division. Your memento safely tucked away. This new chip installed. You go to your port where you plug in. And as always, when you plug in, it will run a diagnostic, give you any updates you need, and perform your usual memory wipe. So, do you back into this port? Before I back into the port, uh, Trevor has this moment where he hesitates as he realizes that he's actually violating one of his prime directives and he goes and backs into the port. As you back in, because this port is also responsible for keeping you charged. That's correct. So that happens. But as the updates come in, they actually get blocked by this ice chip. As the code for the memory wipe comes in, it gets blocked by this ice chip. You remember this run. You remember this time that you shared with Walton, and you remember the others as well. This memory wipe, it ain't happening. Not with this chip. And as you plug in, on the screen next to you, some text appears. Update complete. Memory wipe complete. And Trevor smiles on his display. <laughs> What was that beat? Uh, that is under the identity beats uh, uh, tree, and uh, it's out of character. You do something you would never normally do. What is it? How does it shake your worldview? I get plus one slam, and who notices? I don't know who notices. Maybe no one. Doesn't have to be anyone. Or we can figure it out in the next run, maybe. For sure. Uh, and I'm I'm pitching that my slam might be... Uh, distracted or uh, you know what an existential crisis <laughs> I was going to pitch something along the lines of like conflicted or at odds because I think the crisis is uh, inherent in the identity beat Sure. but the, the main crux of this particular slam is you have a prime directive you have your orders and you did not follow them we're almost done but there is one little scene we need to come back to. Let's cut back in time to Trinity Municipark when Maeve just asked Walton why he wanted to seek them out. Oh, well, I was hoping to give you... Oh, well, I, I guess once you all get home, you'll find my messages for you, but uh, I was really impressed by by the three of you... Well, actually, by the, the four of you with Trevor as well. Uh, the other day at Quantum Conqueror, and I was really hoping I could have your help sort of shepherding my way over over to Popularia. There's a big event going on there. Uh, they call it DiboCon. I hope you're all not too tired of DiboCon at this point, but I was thinking that, well, with your help, and I guess <laughs> with the help of the crew, we, we could go there, check it out, and I guess make a big splash. A debut of the new crew as it is now, I guess. What do you all think? I would be amenable to that. Foxy, I'm in. I would like to bring Bradley off world. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. 
I guess we have... <laughs> we have a run. You have a run. The five of you are going to DiboCon. Bye.